Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. I'm your host, Chuck Dallas. I have more than 10 years of experience with mergers and acquisitions, both from a corporate perspective and as an outside advisor. Today, we welcome Nicholas Sindrick, Vice President with Cornerstone Business Services as a sell-side advisor. Welcome, Nicholas. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Nicholas, we understand you come to us from the world of healthcare. So can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I grew up in the Midwest and I've worked in a variety of industries. So I started my career in food service and then moved to consumer products, financial services, consulting. Okay. And in my mid-30s, I joined a company in technology services and had some equity in that company and it actually sold. I got some money as part of that exit and kind of had a midlife crisis and decided I always wanted to work in the life sciences space. So I went back and got a master's in biotech and then came out and I've worked in healthcare for, uh, since that time. So about 12 years now. Excellent. So you have quite a bit of experience being a business owner and in growing a company and taking it through the sales process itself. So how did you decide to utilize an M&A advisor? Yeah. So when I got into healthcare, I went to work for a family office uh, in Wisconsin. And we, as part of my role there, we bought and sold a number of businesses. So I was involved with four or five acquisitions and maybe six sales. And some of those sales I did with myself by myself and some of them I use an advisor and what I found with an advisor is um, you know you have a professional run in the process for you typically or at least what I experienced is we got more offers for the business we were selling and I think we generated a higher offer price for what we were selling so uh, definitely you know in retrospect looking back that's the way I think I would go again, and I think that's the way most businesses, business owners should think about selling their business. Perfect. Well, and I guess let's talk about that process. Tell us about the process. How long did it take in in what you were doing and selling the business? And I guess how much involvement did you have as a business owner? Yeah, so when I met, uh, when I chose an M&A advisor, I, I had talked or spoke with a number of firms, not a number of firms, but probably four firms, and uh, the one I ended up going with, um, it was kind of an educational process for me, so I thought that working with an outside advisor, we could probably get the deal done in two to three months. Sure. One of the things that impressed me with them is when we sat down, they talked about their discipline process, and they explained to me that it was probably going to take closer to eight to ten months, and with that transaction, it actually took about eight months to complete, and And, you know, if anything, I wanted to rush the process a little bit, but they explained to me the importance of maintaining the discipline uh, in terms of putting together a sale book, uh, kind of shopping the company to prospective buyers, uh, leading them through kind of a process and an offering process and then going back and renegotiating with them and then facilitating the whole deal due diligence. Okay. So, and the, and the one thing I would say is uh, working with an outside group, it was great because they did a lot of the heavy lifting. I still had responsibilities for running a company. So um, I'm not sure I could have invested the time that was necessary doing right. it on my own or would have had the same outcome. Allowed you to, to take time to still run the business and, and keep it going the way it should. And, and the advisor could help you with the sale process. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think the important thing was I was involved at every step of the process, so I was informed of what was going on, but the day-to-day kind of minutia that was involved to move, you know, along the sales process, uh, I had, you know, my advisor was doing all that work for me. Right. Well, and, and Nicholas, uh, maybe in looking at that, 
taking those extra months with the sale process through the advisor probably got you a a better sales price because you had more than one interested party. Absolutely. So the group I worked with, one of the the, uh, interesting things was they did an evaluation on the the front end of the process. And that was important because it helped kind of level set expectations for myself and the other owners of the business. And uh, we set a peg, I think it was about five and a half to $6 million. And we ended up getting about nine and a half million for the business. And the reason for that was, you know, I think on indications of interest, we had close to 10. And then we selected that down to three or four that we went into further negotiations with and kind of pushed that price up. So we're very happy with the outcome in terms of the price we received for the business. Excellent. So now as an advisor yourself, Nicholas, what would you tell other business owners? What are the qualities that you look for when engaging an M&A advisor? First off, I would advise any business owner, if they're, think, if they're contemplating a sale of their business, start with evaluation. I think a lot of business owners have an idea what they think their business is worth, but really the value of your business is going to be dictated by market conditions, what industry you're in, et cetera. You know, what I've seen for, both for myself uh, and then in talking with other people, so oftentimes what I think the business is worth is not at all what it's worth. So right. I might be thinking it's worth less or more, but uh, very rarely do I have a good understanding of what the business is worth. And and some of that's driven by economic cycles, what industry you're in and stuff. Uh, And then the actual selection of the advisor, I would suggest you sit down, interview the advisor, understand their process, understand if they're doing deals, kind of the size of the deal that you're, you know, do they specialize in the the size of deal of your company? Uh, What expertise do they have? Do they have a team behind them? A lot of the people that are doing this type of work are kind of one or two person outfits. And I think it's important to have a group of individuals that are working on your project just in case, you know, the person's busy with other deals or they need to take a vacation or something you don't want you don't want to be underserviced because you're only working with one or two people so if they have a team behind them and a disciplined process I think that's important um, and you know focus on their experience and stuff uh, fits yep. obviously important too I mean it has to you have you're going to be kind of um, paired with this individual for a period of eight to nine months trying right. to sell the most important asset you probably have in your life so right. uh, it's important that you that you choose someone that you feel good about and someone that you can work with. Great advice. That's fantastic. I I guess, uh, you know, what other advice would you give business owners that are thinking of selling their business? Yeah. So for myself, I think, um, you know, I don't think most people wake up one day and say, I'm going to sell my business today. I think it's kind of a process, usually over a course of two to four years. Right. And I think as you start thinking about that process, uh, it's important to start engaging with someone that can coach you because there's a lot of value that you can create the, the one year or two years before you sell your business. So if you start engaging in a discussion, and it could be with a consultant, it could be with an M&A advisor, but start talking to them about how do I start to position my business for sale? So what are the levers that I can start to pull over the course of the next one to two years to really make my business attractive. Um, and then, the you know, I, I had spoken about it earlier, but I think um, you – you, you want to do this with an outside expert. Uh, you don't want to try to manage the process on your own. And I think as you engage in this, and this is kind of over the course of that, you know, call it one to four years, you need to think about why are you doing this? I mean, for a lot of individuals, this is going to be their retirement. So right. you're obviously you're going to want to try to get the most money that you can for the business. Um, and then I think you need to think about if you're younger in your career, you need to think about, do I want to stay on with the business or how long am I willing to stay on the business? Am I trying to sell the business so I can move on to something else? 
else, maybe a new industry, a new business, right. uh, and really go through that type of thing. And then the, the last piece I would say is there's a huge emotional quotient to this. If you've started the business and you've grown the business, it's almost like a child and you're giving the child up for adoption. So right. you need to just weigh through that. And, and to that regard, I would say if you're working with an M&A group, they're going to be able to coach and counsel you through some of that. But also just reaching out to people that have gone through the process, that have sold their businesses, and then using them as a sounding board as well. Right. Uh, great advice. Yeah, this is a huge decision for most individuals and in what they're doing and to take your time and to know what is your end goal sure. with what you want to do here is very, very important. Yep. Good. So, Nicholas, as we're recording this, we're just after the pandemic, and actually there's still cases of COVID showing up in some of the major cities. And, you know, of course, our healthcare workers are truly heroes through this whole process here. But what do you see as opportunities in the healthcare or the life sciences industry as we finish out 2020 and even going into 2021? Yeah, I think... Um for 2020, obviously, a lot of it's revolving around COVID. So the things, the companies that I've seen be successful or that, that seem to be doing really well are anything to do with telehealth. So the remote delivery of healthcare. Sure. The clinics, the hospitals don't want patients in them. You're starting to see them do some procedures now that they weren't doing maybe two or three months ago. But I think that's going to continue until we have a cure for COVID. You're still going to see kind of a disrupted environment. I think the immediate opportunities, obviously, in vaccine and treatments for uh, the coronavirus, uh, will be a hot area. Uh, and then more broadly, I think the leveraging of technology in healthcare will continue. So uh, we've seen that for the last 10 years, um, which really has driven a lot of that is the, uh, the implementation of EMRs, electronic medical records. So most okay. health institutions have those. And probably over the last five to seven years, it was a lot about getting people on EMRs. And I think the next five to 10 years will be optimizing the EMR and using the EMR as kind of a platform to automate healthcare delivery. Sure. Um, and kind of coupled to that will be the integration of artificial intelligence. So I think right. artificial intelligence will make healthcare delivery much more efficient and much more precise. And uh, I really, if I look into the space that I, the companies that I work with and stuff and some of the people that I counsel, uh, that's really kind of the emerging area in healthcare right now. Okay. Okay. Very good. And, and you know, uh, Nicholas, you're you're in that Madison area, so you're in southern Wisconsin. You know, you have Madison, Milwaukee, even the Chicago markets. What what do you see as opportunities within your territory for the life sciences industry? So there's a couple things that drive it in South Central Wisconsin. Uh, the first one is Epic Systems, which is the largest EMR electronic medical record. is located just outside Madison. Right. And their presence there, I think they have about 10,000 people on their campus. But more importantly, uh, the fact that they're located there, they've spun out a lot of businesses that will in some way tie into the electronic medical record. So there's been a number of startup businesses and even what I would call good mid-sized companies that have spawned in the area. And that that's driven growth in the area. The other thing is the University, University of Wisconsin, uh, does a tremendous amount of research, both on therapeutic development, device development, and then technology companies uh, and other service businesses that, are around, uh, that revolve around either drug development or uh, delivery of medicine. 
Um, so those those are the two primary driving forces, and that's started to extend now into Milwaukee, and then of course Chicago, uh, similar type thing with Northwestern University of Chicago Rush and stuff. Yeah, the university presence down in in that area in your territory is is just huge to the industry, isn't it? Yeah, Madison itself has really become quite a healthcare hub, and I would, what I would call a healthcare technology hub. Right. So, Nicholas, let's talk a little bit. Uh, You have years of experience in in what you've been doing from the business side, being a CEO and and selling a business in the past. Let's talk a little bit about business owners contacting you to help them through the the coaching side of a sell-side transaction. I kind of informally mentor a number of uh, CEOs or leaders of, of healthcare concerns, and, and I would say more broadly, all companies. And I think I have a unique perspective because I've run companies. I started companies from scratch. I've acquired companies that I've successfully grown and exit. Uh, personally, I have you know six or seven, I guess, what you would characterize as successful exits. And the fact that I've actually sat on a CEO seat and ran a company, I, I think I understand that the, the day-to-day challenges of running a business and then I couple that with kind of my uh, M&A advising experience and you know it just it offers me a unique perspective and and I know some of the people on the M&A space uh, they came up through that industry um, and maybe they just don't have the operational expertise so they never run a company or, or had a successful exit themselves so uh, I do think I have a broader set of experiences that I can draw upon when I'm when I'm meeting with someone and kind of coaching them and have a better understanding of some of the thoughts that going through their head and some of the challenges they're facing, both emotional and, and business challenges. So Yes, very good. It's definitely, you know, when you're looking for somebody to help you with a merger or acquisition, uh, whether it be on the sell side or the buy side, to have the vast experience within that industry definitely helps out. And so that's what makes you a valuable piece to the Cornerstone team. Yep, I would agree. So, Nicholas, as being a CEO in the past, uh, how did you look at your role and what role you played in the business transition as you're moving through the purchase process? Yeah, so that's interesting. And and both for myself and I think anyone that's interested in selling a business, you have to uh, evaluate what role you want going forward as part of the overall evaluation process process of the suitors that are interested in your business. So hopefully you're in a situation where you have four or five offers to choose from. And if you do, uh, I think what you'll find is some uh, some of those companies that are interested in acquiring you or private equity groups that are interested in acquiring you have different goals for your business. In some situations, they may be looking at you as a platform business. And under that scenario, they probably want you to stay on for a longer period of time. And effectively, what they're going to do is provide capital to help you grow what you've already grown. Uh, in other situations, you might be more of a tuck-in acquisition where they're just going to integrate you with a much larger business op- business operation. And for those types of situations, they probably want you for a shorter period of time. They're going to want you to sign on for maybe three to six months to a year to help with the transition. But after that time, they have their own management team and stuff, and they're, and they're going to take over your business. And some of that is just personally where you're at in your own life. Are you trying to get out of this business so you can go do something else? Are you trying to bridge to retirement? I mean, let's say you were 55 years old or 50 
57 years old and you're selling your business and you're saying, I really want to work for someone for five to seven years. So I continue to get a salary. I continue to get benefits, healthcare benefits up until the point that I can retire. Um, so that's, that's all things to consider as you go through the process. And, and like I said, like I started this uh, answer, uh, if you have multiple offers, uh, it's good because you can, you can, uh, position those offers against what your objectives are. If you only have one or two offers, it's a little bit more difficult. And and I think for a lot of owners, I'll, I'll uh, conclude this by saying, a lot of times the highest price that's offered to you may not be the best uh, situation for yourself. So right. in terms of your own personal goals and what you want to be seen, what you want to see happen with the business and the employees that work for that company. Right. Yeah. And, and it's just part of the overall factors, isn't it, uh, Nicholas, in that um, you, you want to succeed, get a lot for your business, but you also, you know, what's best for my customers or what's best for my employees through this process. And, and that's where an advisor can really help at the process of those buyers and their offers that are coming in, right? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we like to do uh, is very early in our discussions with potential sellers is really talk to them about what are their objectives for selling. So what's motivating them to sell? Do they want to retire? Do they want to, you know, are their buddies have all sold their businesses and they want to go golfing with their buddies? Or are they just, they want to transition or they just want to take some chips off the table? What exactly is motivating that sale? And I think we can ask the right questions to help them think through things that maybe they haven't thought through themselves such that they don't get to the end of the process when they're starting to have those thoughts and and starting to resolve those items in their minds. Yeah, and having that experience yourself and then being able to share that with the clients is is very, very valuable information. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, Again, we had Nicholas Sindrick in, who's one of our new sell-side advisors with Cornerstone Business Services down in the Madison area. Thank you very much, Nick, for all your input. Well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again next Thursday with a brand new episode. 